Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. John 14, we're going to start in here in the Gospel of John. And this morning, I'm going to start a new series, and I'm going to talk about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit this morning. So we're going to start here in John 14, chapter 16, Jesus speaking. He said, and I will pray that the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Now, we're living in those days. He's living in us. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So we're going to start a new series this morning called The Helper. And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is, Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm kind of into this. If you don't know this on Sunday mornings, I'm kind of into you knowing not just what you believe, but why you believe it. I want to have some educated church folk in this house that, that, that have some spiritual education that don't just can be talked out of something because somebody with a PhD can talk you out of what you believe because no one taught you why you believed it in the first place. Or somebody on the news can talk you out of what you believe because they you don't know what you believe and why you believe it in the first place. No, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And the more you're reminded of that, your faith grows in it. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to hear and hear these essential truths. Because every time I hear it, it builds my faith once again in the foundations of our faith. And so this is very important. That's why I just did a series about Jesus for four weeks. Talking about who is the real Jesus. Because you need to know who the real Jesus is. But we're going to transition from Jesus to who is the Holy Spirit because Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit to come in the future. Now, Jesus himself said to his disciples before he left this planet, before he ascended to heaven, he said, after I paid the price for redemption, after I have resurrected from the dead, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive this other person, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus thought it was important to his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out so they could do the work and the mission of God. Let me tell you something this morning. You can't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit in your life. Apart from him, you could do nothing. That's why Jesus said, if you want to do the work of God and you're going to live this new life, he told all of his disciples, you have to wait till the Holy Spirit is poured out. And then when he's poured out, he's going to give you the power to do everything I've told you you could do. He's going to give you power to live a Christian life that you can't live apart from the Spirit of God. The reason Christians are frustrated is you're trying to live a Christian life apart from the Spirit of God. You can't. That's why it's frustrating. God already knew you couldn't do it. That's why he sent you the helper to help you do it. 
Now, we've tried this before in human history. God tells us what to do, and then we don't do it, even though we want to do it. We don't do it because we can't do it in our own strength, in our own ability, in our own power. God knows that. That's why he comes and gives us the Holy Spirit to fill us, to give us the power and desire to do his will. And so the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live this Christian life. He gives us the power to heal the sick. He gives us the power to deliver people. He gives us the power to set people free. He gives us power to fulfill our purpose. He gives us power to fulfill our calling. He gives us power to do everything God has called us to do. But without the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing. And Jesus said that himself, and he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out. Now, I kind of like the way this has been flowing because the way we've been preaching has been flowing with the calendar of what's going on with Good Friday and Easter Sunday and um, the, the, the Sunday before, which was Palm Sunday. And then right after that, it transitions in your Bible to the day of Pentecost. Because when Jesus left this planet, he said, I want you to wait to the Holy Spirit is poured out. That's the last thing he told his disciples. You got to wait. Because he's coming. The helper's coming. It talks about that all over your Bible. We're going we're gonna to kind of introduce it today. And we're going to continue it the next several weeks. But in, especially in John 14, 15, and 16, those chapters, he says the Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's the same as me. He's God, just like me. The Spirit of God's coming, and He's not going to just be with you like I am. He's going to live in you. So He's going to never leave you. He's never going to forsake, with, forsake you. He's going to be the Spirit of God living in you forever. And you're never going to be an orphan anymore. You're never going to be alone anymore. No, I'm going to be with you forever. But he's with us forever in the person of the Holy Spirit. So now we're never alone. Because the Spirit of God dwells in us. But let's look at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. And we read these verses last week. But it flows together with what we're talking about this week. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit coming, which he said, you have heard from me. Notice what he says here. For John truly baptized you with water. Now, we're doing that today because we believe in it. But there's another baptism. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him and said, Lord, will you, uh, at what time will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But notice he puts it back. No, this is what's important. It's not important when kingdoms are being restored. It's not important when I'm coming back. It's not important. What's important is you shall receive power. 
You know why? Because followers of, of Jesus always are trying to get out of this place. Take us away, take us home, restore the kingdom. And he's saying, no, I put you in this place for a reason. Not to leave, but to do something while you're here on the earth. Stop asking me about when we're going to get out of this. Stop asking me about when I'm coming back or when I'm going to restore Israel and when is the new Jerusalem going to come. That's not the point. You have a job to do right now. Stop trying to get out of it and go hide. But notice, you will hide if you don't have the power. Side note here. The disciples were hiding in the upper room until the Holy Spirit got poured out. And so do you when you don't have the Holy Spirit. They were scared in an upper room for those 50 days, waiting on the Holy Spirit to be poured out. They were scared. They would not leave But when the Holy Spirit got poured out, they got boldness. They got power. They kicked the door down. They walked out in the street, and they actually started completing the mission of God instead of hiding and saying, when you coming back, God? When you going to get us out of here? When you going to restore your kingdom? God's like, no. You have something to do here and now. Stop looking about that. That will happen eventually. But right now, There is a world that needs to be changed. There's a world that needs to be saved. There's a world that needs to be healed. Stop begging to get out of here. Hey, guys, you're going to have plenty of time with him. It's eternity. I miss Jesus. You're going to get to see him for a long, long time. You only have a little time on the earth. Use it for his will. That was all free. None of that was in my notes. You brought it out of me. But notice what Jesus said. But you shall receive power. Man, I love that. I'm Pentecostal from the beginning to the end. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And notice what will happen. And you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus... The last things he said. How many of the last things you say are important? Not fluff, not filler talk. You don't talk about who lost the game when you're on your deathbed. You talk about what is most important to tell the closest people to me. I want to say that. And the thing that Jesus talked about before he ascended to heaven to all of his disciples was wait in Jerusalem for the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when you receive him, you will receive power to do everything I've called you to do. You will receive power to live this new life. You will receive power to be the followers of Jesus I've called you to be. You will receive power, just like it says in the Gospels, you will do greater works than I did. How can you do that? Because you're going to receive power to do it. And you're going to be a witness to not just Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria and to the whole world. And God is still doing that through his church today. Do you realize there's about 2 billion believers on the planet, maybe a little bit more than that, and there's about 7 to 8 billion people on the planet? That means the church needs to do some more witnessing. Everybody's like, we just need to slow down. No, we need to speed up. 
We need to do more. We need to give more. We need to, 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 to witness more. We need to evangelize more. We need to be more on the TV and social media and podcasts and in the public, not running from the world, but running to the world because there's a lot of people that need to know him, but it only happens when we receive power to be a witness. I'm preacher, then you're better than you're responding this morning. Oh. Now, last time I checked, I know we don't act like this all the time, and, I, and I'm not for just acting wild, act for wild sake, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But we still are a Pentecostal charismatic church. And we don't need to forget our roots. That's why we're different. We're not the stale vanilla churches that are around here. We're not the generic brand Christianity. God bless them. But what makes us different, doesn't make us better, but makes us different, is the power of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) which every believer should have. And every believer should believe in. Jesus said it. Every believer should be a Pentecostal, charismatic church. Why? Because every church in the New Testament was a charismatic, Pentecostal church. Paul was a charismatic, Pentecostal preacher. Timothy was a charismatic, Pentecostal preacher. All of these people loved the Holy Spirit, believed in the Holy Spirit, believed in the gifts of the Spirit, spoke in tongues. The Apostle Paul, the most educated man in the New Testament, who spoke more languages than all of us put together, had more education than all of us, was not some person that was uneducated and ignorant, and that's why he needed the crutch of the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to pray in tongues. The most educated man said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Where do you, where do, you do with that verse? People that don't believe in the Holy Spirit, it's done away with. Well, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Because he believed in the Holy Spirit. I need to get back on my notes or we're going to be here a long time today. But who is the Holy Spirit? Well, let's start here. The Holy Spirit, he is God. Now, we, we believe this, and I know your mind does a little, little tilt when people talk about this, but the Bible reveals that God is three and one. One God, three persons. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what the Bible talks about. And the thing is that when you talk about the Father, people understand that because they have fathers. When you talk about the Son, Jesus, people kind of at least can understand that because they know about sons. But when you start talking about the Spirit, People get a little weird about this. They get a little different about this because the Spirit is not as easy to understand as the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Son and the Father is. The Trinity is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Spirit of God is just as much God as the Father and Son. And really, in reality, we are living in the day and the age of the Holy Spirit right now. 
from the book of Acts to now, which has been 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit, this is the age of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God has come to dwell in us and be upon us to do the work and the mission of God on the earth. And whenever we get done with it, that's when he'll come back. Jesus, we're waiting on you. No, he's waiting on us. Saying, y'all get it together. Do what you're called to do. Be the church. Be the light of the world. Be the city set on the hill that cannot be hidden. Be the salt of the earth. Be a witness and change the world. And when you do, I'll come back. And why does he do that? Because he wishes that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of him. That's why he's been long-suffering and patient with all of us. Because he's given us an opportunity. But the Spirit. What is the Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. And the Spirit of God is unseen, but not unreal. People are often scared and intimidated by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that a little bit more as we keep going. But a lot of it comes from ignorance. And when you're ignorant about something or someone, you're afraid. A lot of times the Spirit of God has not been talked about in church. Or if it has, it's been strange. So we got two extremes in the body of Christ. Don't talk about it or be a bunch of weirdos. So most people are like, well, I don't want either one, so what am I going to do if it, it, it's not like just ignore it, but it's also I don't want to be strange and act different. So the Holy Spirit, we can be scared and intimidated by him because we have ignorance, which that produces fear. But we don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Now here's where it really comes in because the Holy Spirit in the Bible a lot of people started getting intimidated and, and weirded out by this because the translators changed it into Holy Ghost. And how many know none of us want a ghost around us? We can't even watch ghost hunters on TV and we're freaked out. So when you say ghost, people assume Casper the Friendly Ghost. They assume strange things happening. They, they assume stuff like your house, you know, stuff moving around in your house and winds blowing and all sorts of strange things happening when you say ghost. But the word in the original language is spirit. And this is what the word spirit means. It's real simple. It's not freaky when you say what it actually means in the original language. So in the Old Testament, it's the word ruach. And the, the New Testament, it's the word pneuma. Both of those words for spirit mean breath or wind. Because the spirit is unseen, but also you can feel his movements. You can see his movements. He changes things. He breathes life into things. And so all that word means, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, spirit means the breath or wind of God. We see in the Old Testament, it talks about that, that God breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a spirit. Same word there, pneuma in the New Testament, ruach in the Old Testament. It just means breath or wind. Now, does breath and wind really freak you out? 
No, but when you say ghost, it's like, why are we talking about ghost up in church now? But that's all that word means in the original language, Holy Spirit. The translators a long time ago changed it to ghost, spirit, ghost. Same thing. It is funny. Denominational people say Holy Spirit. Right? Pentecostal charismatic say Holy Ghost. A little more old-timey, a little more King James only people. But sometimes it just feels right to say Holy Ghost. I feel like I'm a little too proper saying Holy Spirit. When you get really Pentecostal, you say, Holy Ghost. Not Holy Spirit. Do y'all, y'all have the Holy Spirit here? We believe in the Holy Spirit around here. No, you just got to just break bad, get a little organ and say, Holy Ghost. That's a real Pentecostal people talk, talk like. Holy Ghost. I'm not afraid to say it in this church. But once again, in the original, all the word means is breath, wind, air. The spirit. Because it's unseen. Not unreal, but unseen. And the Bible says that God is a spirit. And the reality is the real you is a spirit. Nothing to be freaked out about. And, and you can't see God, but you can see him move. You can see what he does because God is a spirit, and actually the real you is a spirit. And the reason we can see you is you live in a physical body. But that's not even the real you. Your spirit is the real you. Can we take a step further? So we see here that, that in the word of God that It started in Genesis with the Spirit, and it ends in Revelation with the Spirit. He's not some side thing in the Bible. Just you can write this down, but in Genesis 1 and 1 and 1-2, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness was upon the face of the waters, and the Spirit of God was there. Chapter, or just verse 2. First chapter, the Spirit of God was there waiting to do something. In the very beginning of your Bible, and it's amazing, all the way through the Bible, you see the Spirit of God moving. And all the way to Revelation 22, at the very end of the Bible, it says, and the Spirit and the bride, that's the church, say come. So it starts with the Holy Spirit in Genesis. He's moving before creation happened. And we see him at the end of the Bible. Him and the church, that's an unbeatable team, are the ones that are saying, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Because until the Spirit and the bride completes the mission of God, Jesus will not come back. And so we see the Holy Spirit's helping us all throughout your Bible, Genesis to Revelation. That's why he's called the helper. In the Old Testament, there's over 90 times that the Spirit of God is mentioned. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God only came on people for a certain reason and a certain time, and then he would leave. But the Spirit of God would come on people for one reason only. To do things for God that they could not do in their own strength. And it says the Spirit of God came upon Elijah and he outran the chariot. 
it came on him to do something he could not do in his own strength. The Spirit of God came on Samson, and he had supernatural strength. The Spirit of God came on him so he could do something he couldn't do in his own strength. The Spirit of God came on David so he could do what he was called to do. The Spirit of God came on Esther so she could do what she was called to do. The Spirit of God came on Solomon to give him wisdom and do what he couldn't do. So we see types and shadows in the Old Testament, but the Spirit of God could only come temporarily on them. Because they were still sinful human beings and the price had not been paid. So the Spirit of God would come on them temporarily to do what they were called to do. And it came on them for service. To do things for God or for others that they could not do in their own ability and strength. I love this. Let's, let's read in Zechariah 4, 6. Yeah, we're going there. Look, I love this verse. It says, so he answered and said to him, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. No, I'm not going to sing Bible Venture Week song, even though I want to. But what was God saying here? You can't do it in your own might. It won't work. You can't do it in your own strength. It won't work. You can't do it in your own mind. It won't work. Not by might, nor by power, nor by education, nor by money. It's by the Spirit of God is what changes things in your life. It's by the Spirit of God that changes nations. It's the Spirit of God that changes people. It's the Spirit of God that gives you wisdom. It's the Spirit of God that gives you power to live this new life. Not by your might, not by your power, but by the Spirit of God. I feel my help becoming. Holy Ghost, I just got to say. You would not want to listen to me preach without the Holy Ghost. I don't like to hear preachers preach without the Holy Ghost. Let me go, let me go listen to something else. Let me go spend my time doing something else. The only reason I can even put two words together when I preach is because of the Holy Ghost. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Apart from him, I'm just giving you a motivational speech. Be nice. Love your family. And people are just like, okay, but I can't do that. Why? Because you ain't got no Holy Spirit on it. Your nice will run out. Your love for your family will run out. Your ability will run out. You can't just tell people in church like a lot of churches do. It's just motivational speech. It's just leadership talks. It's just TED Talks from the pulpit with no Holy Ghost. You can tell them what to do, but unless they have the Spirit of God, they can't do anything. Be a good Christian. You can't. You can't even be a Christian apart from the Spirit of God. You definitely can't be nice in this world apart from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Love your wife. Love your family. Be a good employee. You can't do it. <laughs> without him. But what's the good news? You're not without him. <laughs> okay. Reel it in. Reel it in, Pastor. Reel it in. Got to be proper. It's baptism Sunday. We got visitors today. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. 
Maybe you'll jump in the water too after we're done with this. <laughs> Holy Ghost, get under there. Okay. I think if you could talk about it real and honest, that anyone can get it. Church, non-church, unchurched, de-church, don't care about church, don't care about God, anybody. If you talk real about it, you can get it. Why? Because the Spirit of God's in here trying to help you get it right now. <laughs> Okay, we've got to keep going. I love this, but in the Old Testament, it was even prophesied that the Spirit of God would come. You know, just like he prophesied that Jesus would come, he would pay the price of redemption, he would resurrect from the dead, the Holy Spirit was prophesied that he was coming. Because God speaks it before it ever happens. That's always the way God does stuff. And he prophesied through his prophets that the Spirit of God would come one day and not just be upon them, but he would live in them and through them. We're living in those days. Look at this verse, Ezekiel 36. Prophetic word about the Spirit of God. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Now, before we go any further, understand what he's saying here. He's talking about what Jesus did at the cross. Redemption. Because the Spirit of God cannot come in us until we're cleansed. I'll break that down for you a little bit more. A holy God cannot dwell in an unholy vessel. So that's why the Holy Spirit would only come on them temporarily in the Old Testament because they weren't really clean. But in the New Covenant, because of what Jesus did, he cleaned the vessel, which is us. And he cleaned it when we could not clean ourselves. He cleansed us when we could not cleanse our filth. And he washed us and he made the vessel clean and holy so that we could receive the Spirit of God. But that couldn't happen before Jesus paid that price. He couldn't come in us and dwell in us because the Spirit of God is holy and he could not live in an unholy vessel. You will be clean. He's talking prophetically. Your filth will be washed away and you no longer will worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. That's what happens when you receive the Spirit of God. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. Can we all get an amen in here? Don't, don't nudge your neighbor. That's you. I will take out. We're all there. Can we all admit it? I'm, I'm stony and stubborn. Okay. Don't, don't amen me too much. All right. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And notice I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you. Not just on you, but in you, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Ezekiel, prophetically speaking about one day, I'm going to cleanse you, and I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. We are living in the day and the age of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you about a, a few more things as we close here. The first thing is, i got three things to share with you about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person and not a force. 
There was a, a book written a while back called Forgotten God. And it was all about the Holy Spirit because he's always the one who gets left out. Not talked about. But actually, in my opinion, probably the most important thing to your daily walk as a believer is the Holy Spirit. Other than receiving Jesus, which is the obvious thing, the second thing in your life is you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and a communion and friendship with the Holy Spirit daily. Because he is the Spirit of God dwelling in you and on you. It's funny that there's another thing I was reading, and it said that we have treated the Holy Spirit like the weird uncle of the Trinity. We don't talk to him. We stay away from him at family functions. (laughs) We don't eat his potato salad because it's probably questionable. But we've treated the Holy Spirit like the weird uncle of the Trinity. But he's not. The Holy Spirit is a person and not a force. Now, there's a reason that I'm telling you that today, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, because... If you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, it will hinder your relationship with him. If you do not believe that he is a person who has feelings and can be resisted, can be quenched, can be grieved, if he's just a force, you can't have a relationship with him. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a person. Just like the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit is a person And not a force. So if we don't understand this, it will hinder our relationship with him, which is the most important relationship you can have. The Spirit of God in the Bible refers to himself in personal pronouns, such as he, himself, him. Not an it. Not an it. A person. The Bible says that the Spirit of God works, he leads, he guides, He prays, he convicts, he calls, he has feelings, he can be resisted, he can be vexed, he can be quenched, and he can be grieved. If he's a force, he cannot do those things. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, I want to make this clear because we need to understand the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. Now, I'm saying that because a lot of people misunderstand the Holy Spirit and they say things about him that isn't really fully true now I'm full I'm full-blooded Pentecostal (laughs) charismatic but I also can call out the weirdness in Pentecostals charismatics because I is one now I'm a hundred percent for being expressive Some of y'all could use it, really, most weeks in this Assembly of God church. But I'm against people just doing stuff to do stuff. I'm against emotionalism just for emotionalism, and they live the same exact way after they just took a lap on Sunday. Don't take a lap if you go stay the same the next week. But they always talk about the Holy Spirit not as a person but as a force. So when somebody starts praying in tongues... They go, it's the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Spirit's a person, not tongues. The Holy Spirit does give you a prayer language. So let's just change that in the way we think about things and and adjust our theology 
to realize, no, when somebody prays in tongues, that's not the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is a person, but the Holy Ghost is using them and giving them a prayer language. Or somebody falls out when they get prayed for. It's the Holy Ghost. Woo. Watch out. It's the Holy Ghost right here. And they talk about that's the Holy Ghost. Now, falling out is not the Holy Ghost. Once again, you're, you're implying that he's a force or a feeling. He's not a real person. No, sometimes the presence of God does come on you so strong you do fall over. But he's not just a falling over. He's a person. Some people will cry or dance or laugh. People say, that's the Holy Ghost. No, the Holy Ghost is a person. But yes, when the Holy Spirit comes on people, they respond. That's true. Now, I just think it's important that we rightly divide what is the Holy Spirit and what's not. Now, I'm for it. I'm for it. I'm for tongues. I'm for the gifts of the Spirit. I'm, I'm for feeling good, crying, laughing, all that stuff, the joy of the Lord, 100%. But those things are not the Holy Spirit. He's a person. They could be a byproduct of the Spirit of God on you, but they're not Him. He's a person. The reason I'm saying that as well, because some people will assume if you follow that out, that the people that aren't responding that way in church don't got the Holy Ghost. Because if, if the wacky people are the only people responding and they got the Holy Ghost, then what about the rest of us? That's why you can't judge it based off those things. The Holy Spirit's a person and not a force, or a feeling. Now, he'll give you some feelings. You can respond to him. But I don't want us to make the judgment that certain people don't have the Holy Ghost. Maybe they just got discernment. <laughs> Maybe they're not moving because the Holy Spirit didn't tell them to move, but you're judging them saying, oh, well, look at them. They ain't got the Holy Ghost. Come on now, somebody. So the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. Here's the next thing. The Holy Spirit will give you self-control, not make you out of control. <laughs> he will give you self-control, not make you out of control. Once again, I got to talk real talk about him because I is him. Pentecostal charismatic. A lot of times, people that are straight out of control say it's the Spirit of God. It's not. The Spirit of God does not control you. The Spirit of God does not force you. That's the devil. That's demonic. The Spirit of God leads you and guides you, and you must respond to him. But you have your own will. You have your own spirit. And, and the Bible says you can resist him. You can push him away. You don't have to do whatever the Spirit of God tells you to do. You can resist him. So we need to understand this about the Holy Spirit. The real Holy Spirit will give you self-control and not make you out of control. The reason I'm saying this once again, because I've seen a lot of Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever you want to call them, folk, 
that are out of control and say it's the Holy Ghost, and then if you tell them to calm down, they go, oh, well, don't, don't, don't hinder my praise. <laughs> well, I'm going to grieve the Spirit of God. No, you're not. You're out of control. You're distracting everybody. No, that's not the Spirit of God. That's not bringing glory to God. You're putting on a show. I'm all for the real thing when it's the real thing. But if it's not, to me, who grew up in church my whole life, it's gross. It's a turnoff. I'm like, I don't want that in my church because there's new people. They're not going to understand that. And if I'm annoyed at it, they're definitely going to be annoyed at it. But if it's real, it's going to help everybody. If it's real, lost people are going to say, I want that. If it's real, the presence of God will be here, not grieved. If it's real. So yes, I'm 100% for being responsive and passionate. But the Holy Spirit, the real Holy Spirit, will give you self-control, not make you out of control. We just give you a few examples. <laughs> this is fun. I got stories for day. I tell you, if you set me and Brother Daryl down and had just Pentecostal charismatic stories, we'd be here a long time of weird stuff that's happened at church. It would be a great comedy show. We need to do that on a Sunday night. Pastor Jay and Daryl tell Pentecostal stories. I'll just share a few of them from this church. There used to be a lady that would come and laugh during the service all the time. And in inappropriate times. Like dad was like, yeah, I was a drug addict. And they would just start laughing. I'm like, oh, wrong, wrong timing on that one. This is not the joy of the Lord part in the message. And this is what happened. You guys want these stories? We're already at 43 minutes. I got I to gotta move here or I can tell you some stories. But this lady kept laughing. And your mild-mannered pastor, I used to be, I'm not anymore, was thinking, because dad was preaching then, why isn't he calling her out? Why isn't he saying anything? Dad is a prophet of God. Say something. Since when have you got soft on the weirdos in this church? Why? Why do I feel this way? And it happened week after week, and Dad was being so gracious. I'm like, what is going on here? Any other time, he would be like, lady, stop it. You're distracting. Because all of us were thinking it. I can't focus on this message because there's a crazy laughing lady who sounded like she had a witch's cauldron and was having the creepiest laugh that I've ever heard in my life. That was not God. That was the devil. He was like, <laughs> So I'm sitting on the front row thinking every week, I'm just ticked. I'm ticked over there. I'm thinking, Dad, why aren't you saying anything? I even brought it up at lunch. We went to lunch afterwards and said, Mom and Dad, do you not hear the lady in the back? And they're just like, yeah, you know, but she's new. You know, we're just giving her some grace. I'm like, why are we giving grace now? For people who are ruining the service for everybody. Goodness. But that lady thought she was spirit-filled. She thought she knew better. She thought she was the Holy Ghost person in here. 
But her laughing was distracting everyone else from listening to the message. That's not God. And you know what? We as a good pastoral team said, let's fix this. Let's have Donna and Brother Sean talk to her and not us. You know why? Because we don't want them to get mad at us. Get mad at them. I don't want to deal with that. And, and how do I know it wasn't God? When they confronted her about it, she said, I can't help it. That's not God. You can't help it? Well, the Holy Spirit gives you self-control, not makes you out of control, so you can't help it. Let's talk. No, you can't help it. You have your own will. If something's coming over you like that, that you can't help it, it's a demon. (laughs) Not the Holy Spirit. Let's not disguise it as the Holy Spirit. He will give you (laughs) self-control. Yeah, and she left the church after that. Thank God she's not here. But see, people like that, they're distracting the rest of the people from hearing the message. That's not God. I've seen people that are afraid, afraid of praying in tongues because they think the Holy Spirit's going to grab their tongue and go. <laughs> and then they're going to go in a trance. If that happens to you, that's not God. The Holy Spirit gives you the words, but you have to speak it with your own mouth. You can start anytime you want, and you can stop anytime you want because you are in control of yourself. The Holy Spirit gives you self-control. He doesn't make you out of control. Now, when you yield to the Spirit of God, He'll give you more words, but you can stop Him anytime. Here's another example. I remember a long time ago in, um, I think I was in Nashville at a Dr. Dufresne meeting. There was a visiting church that went to Dr. Dufresne's meeting that there was like really Pentecostals. <laughs> okay, so all of us in here, we say we're a charismatic Pentecostal church, but we ain't real Pentecostals, you know what I'm saying? Like there's white people and then there's white people. Laugh, white people. And then there's Pentecostals and there's Pentecostals. You can assume where I fall in the white category, but anyways... We ain't real Pentecostals. No, these are the real deal Pentecostals. That their whole service is praying in tongues, taking a lap, dancing, and rolling on the floor. That's every, that's every week. They don't even get into the message. It, it stays on the organ and the drums and the bass, and it's just Pentecostal in there. So anyways, there was this guy that walked up, and I remember me and Jacob were looking at him. He had this weird glazed look in his eye. Should I reenact this? Do you want me to reenact what he did? I'm not trying to mock the Holy Spirit, but this guy was not the Holy Spirit. But he walked up like this to the front. What Dr. Ephraim was preaching, young man. And this is the way he looked. This was not God because the Holy Spirit does not make you act this weird. And this man, in the middle of Dr. Ephraim's message, Walked all the way up, did that motion, had a glazed look on his eyes, and completely distracted the service when Dr. Dufresne was trying to preach. Now, I've seen people dance before in Dr. Dufresne's meeting, and him jump in there with him and say, that's God. But that distracted the whole service and took it down and made everybody feel weird. 
Because the guy's face looked like he was possessed. That's not the spirit of God. Now, to be balanced here, I've seen people do the same thing and it be the spirit of God. But they were in control. So if the spirit of God, you think, is telling you to do something that brings the service down or hinders other people from hearing the message, it's not God. And I'm, I'm, I'm really 100% for responding. But if it's really God. Here's a verse, Galatians 6, or Galatians 5 and 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Can I get the next verse? Verse 23 if you have it. But it says self-control. So the Holy Spirit knows he produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And I think in verse 23 it says, and self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit in our life. Notice in Genesis 1, when there was chaos, the Spirit of God came and he brought order. Not more confusion when creation happened. 1 Corinthians 14 says that Paul said he wanted the church... And he's talking to a spirit-filled church who actually prays in tongues too much, has too many spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, he says that I pray that everything would be done decently and in order because the Holy Spirit brings order. He makes things right. He doesn't bring more chaos, more confusion. He makes things orderly and right. And a service can be wild and still orderly. A service can be responsive and still orderly. A, a ministry time can be, um, it can be powerful and still orderly because the Spirit of God is moving. But He doesn't bring chaos, He does not bring confusion, and He does not control you like a demonic spirit. He will give you self-control, not make you out of control. Now I need to wrap up here. You guys are pulling too many things out of me. I got way more stories than you got time here, guys. The last thing is the Holy Spirit is supernatural, but he's not spooky. All these points somewhat go together. But the reason I'm saying all these things today about who the Holy Spirit is, because a lot of us have fears and intimidation and ignorance. So the reason I'm speaking this way is because I don't want any of you to have that fear anymore. I don't want you to be intimidated, and I want somebody real to talk about this to you because if you don't realize he's a person, and if you're scared of him, if you're intimidated by him, you won't receive the benefits of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be honest enough to tell you what's right and what's wrong, what's actually the supernatural and what's weirdness. And be honest enough to say both so that you understand the truth about God. So the Holy Spirit is, first of all, he's a person, not a force. He will give you self-control, not make you out of control. And lastly, the Holy Spirit is supernatural, but he's not spooky. He's supernatural, but he's not spooky. So a lot of people are so freaked out about stuff because, once again, they don't understand it. They have ignorance. They don't understand the different things that 
are in the Bible. They don't understand the gifts of the Spirit. They don't understand praying in tongues or people falling out or laying hands on people and all this stuff. It's okay. But I want you to know it's real. It's supernatural, but it doesn't have to be spooking weird. The whole New Testament church was doing these things. Praying for people, people falling out when it was really God. Healings happening, deliverance happening, spiritual gifts happening. People were praying in tongues. People were interpreting that tongue. They were prophesying. All things in the New Testament church that were normal, not a fringe topic, not the church on the backside of the tracks. Y'all know that assumption. The, the, the Pentecostal charismatic church is the uneducated poor church on the backside of the tracks who needs the Holy Spirit as a crutch because they don't have enough education as the people in the suburbs who have money. <laughs> or when you watch CNN and they get the Pentecostal charismatic, who do they get? They get one tooth Billy from Raccoon Holler, West Virginia. <laughs> who handles snakes and drinks poison and says, this is our standard for Pentecostal charismatic people. And then people are like, okay, well, I don't want to be a Pentecostal charismatic because they handle snakes, they drink poison, they live in the backwoods, they're freaky. <laughs> is that not the truth? And then those stereotypes get passed on, and that's what everyone thinks about Pentecostals charismatics. That they're uneducated, and they need that emotionalism, and they just don't know any better, God bless them, or they're just into weird fringe stuff, and it, it's kind of different. It's not spiritual. It's not supernatural. It's just spooky and different, and those people are under the control, and their eyes are glazed back in their head. That's not God. That's why you need a message like this so your pastor can tell you the difference. <laughs> He's a person, not a force. He will give you self-control, not make you out of control. And the Holy Spirit is supernatural. I've seen him do some supernatural things. I've seen the Spirit of God do some wild things. But it's never been weird, and it's never been spooky when it's been him. I've seen hundreds of people healed of diseases. Right in front of my eyes. I've seen people have demons cast out of them. Right in front of my eyes. And it worked. And they lived a different way after that prayer. I've seen people dance. And before they came up and danced, they were depressed and anxious. And it, when it was the Spirit of God, they left a different way because they responded to the Spirit of God. I've seen people take a lap that you don't know what they were going through. And everybody's like, they're being a little little too responsive right now but like you don't know their life that lap set them free because the spirit of God told them to do that I've seen people hear somebody pray in tongues and somebody give give the response to it in English and it completely let people know that God was real because it said exactly what they needed in their life and there was no way to know that in the natural no the supernatural is real and we need it but let's not be weird about it Let's not be spooky about it. Let's just be genuine like the people did in the book of Acts, the early church did, and like all these churches did. And receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit.
And all of us need to be spiritually discerning enough to call it for what it is. And even though we are Pentecostal charismatic, we believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit around here. If something's odd, be discerning enough to understand the difference. And tell others the difference. Show them what is right and what is wrong. So we need to understand this, that he is supernatural. I wrote this down. People need to see more people that believe in the supernatural and they're normal. (laughs) This world needs to see more people that 100% believe in the power of God and the supernatural and are normal. They hold a job. They can communicate. They have a good family. They have a good career. They have a life. The Holy Spirit has brought order into their life, not chaos. And they're naturally just supernatural. Not weird about it, normal about it. Not just going up to your coworker and having a weird look and you're like, you need prayer? I feel like you need prayer. Dude, don't be that way. All you got to say is, listen, I believe God can heal you. Do you want me to pray for you? I believe he can heal you right here, right now. Pray for him. You don't got to go off in tongues. Just pray in English for starters. And watch God move in your life. Naturally supernatural. Naturally supernatural. That's what we need. People need to see that. The church world needs to see more of us like that. But the world definitely needs to see people like that. Because you know what? The world already believes in the supernatural more than we do. Goodness, you act like you're trying to hide something from them. Have you seen their movies? Have you watched Stranger Things on Netflix? Does the world believe in the supernatural or not? Yes, they do. More than sometimes the church world. It's just a lot of times in the wrong way. They know it's real. How many shows on Travel Channel, History Channel about ghosts and the paranormal do you got to see? They already believe. But just in the wrong things and in the wrong spirits. But the world needs to see real believers who are naturally supernatural. They're normal, relatable. They don't talk church Christianese all the time are relatable with the way they talk about the Holy Spirit. He's a real person. The thing is, the Holy Spirit's not weird. Let's just be honest. People are weird. (laughs) And I'm sorry if you've had weird experiences. A lot of people have. But that was not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not weird. Yes, supernatural. Yes, different. But... If he's really moving in your life, you're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. You're going to feel settled. You're not going to feel out of control. You're going to have self-control, and you're going to be in your right mind if it's really the Holy Spirit of God. Did you guys get anything today? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.